From glory to infancy, from glory to infancy, God came literally from a place that we await to be exceptionally impressed with. It is beyond our imagination. We have not been told that which is beyond our comprehension. Imagination and comprehension is suspended. Some people are completely errant, both in what heaven doesn't have and ignorant in what heaven does have. But God knows. He wasn't looking for a better place. God's heart was that he could bring us to the best place, not on earth, but transcending earth. So very often what I like to say is that whatever impresses you down here, may it be something truly that impresses you. And there's much in creation that is undeniably impressive. But we've also discovered that in whatever it is that does impress us in all creation, we can find ourselves craving after a while for something even better. That's why we take vacations. That's why we explore. There's always something that urges us to take another step to be overwhelmed by. But God never allows us in whatever it is that does overwhelm us concerning what it is he has created for us to be greater than heaven. That's why very often we find ourselves disappointed. The Lord, though, chose, not because he in any way was disappointed with where he came from, heaven, but to make certain that you and I could enjoy heaven with him and there will be no disappointment at all. Most of us know theologically that there will be a time in which the Lord takes the church up from this earth and we will enjoy a banquet unlike anything that we've ever sampled here. I like to consider even the best of banquets simply a sampling for the table that the Lord will set before us. And even that has not been given a description to us, but I do believe it's more than bread in sop dipped. It will be extravagant, and it will be for our enjoyment, our sustenance in a way that nothing that you've ever been served could indefinitely satisfy you with. I had occasion after occasion after occasion after occasion to dine with Zachary and Christy. In other words, I was one of them. And it came with frequency, it came like clockwork, and they prepared amazing meals that I could not walk off, nor run off. I gained girth in my absence from you. But I will tell you, even as impressed as I was, there was always something that said, even to Zachary, so I wonder what's next on the menu. And the nurses would say, well, it could be whatever you want. 
Whatever you want, just open this menu up and you choose and we will have it for you. And sure enough, whatever we wanted, it was there in abundance. Most excellent. But I share that with you that even in abundance and even in excellency, there's nothing better than what the Lord has made provision for us in eternity. We don't want to miss it. And we aren't going to miss it. Those of us who believe that the provision for this great rescue and ultimately this redemptive work in which we are no longer the same, but we are like him to dwell with him. Nothing can take its place. Part of the title, though, today was traditional, but it was also intended to be inspirational. We know that from glory to infancy, God chose to come. But you need to know, as I have been reminded, we are required to move from infancy to glory. Oh, we have our moments in which by position, maturity, adoration, excellence, whatever it is that we have maybe a small boast in or what others may brag about us for, we will always find ourselves moving from infancy to glory. And the reason that that's important is because there's going to be an event in your life and in my life in which all of that maturity, all of that strength, everything that allowed us even to be sufficient and self-sufficient changes. And we find ourselves rediscovering infancy. God came from glory to infancy. He takes us from infancy to glory. And he moves us in patterns in which we find ourselves as helpless as a little baby. I discovered that. I have, in different times of my life, discovered that. Not as strong as I thought I would be. Not as, not as adept, even with maturity, to handle the things that perhaps I at one time thought I mastered. The Lord says, I master those things and I master of you. And I've discovered that in Zach's journey. This isn't about Zach, but it's not not about Zach. Because Zach represents really to all of us in faith how much faith means to the Lord when in a moment's time we become like babies. Zach, as many of you know, as well as any of us as parents have had a chance to observe with great marvel at the way that our babies grew up, obtaining wisdom and knowledge and strength and satisfying curiosities. And wherever that may lead, the bottom line is, is there's a time in every parent's life in which that observation and that part of bringing them again into that working out of the things that God is intending to do within them comes at a crisis of infancy. And we're invited into it. Zach, who strong in body, strong in spirit, 
strong in personality, as many of you know. And I mean just a tender strength, not an overt in-your-face strength. On one given moment, was invited to join the request of his heart because God honored it. And the reason that I want to share this with you and not negate the story in the scriptures is because he made a request of the Lord. I believe on Thursday night, and I believe probably ratified on Friday morning before the event, that changed him. His prayer, and what I've heard people have shared, is that, Lord, I want to bring you glory. I want to bring you glory, whatever that means. Gifted, confident in that, I've seen it. Pianist, bassist, in my opinion, a very intellectual, problem-solving mind, strong runner, great surfer, really in, in the way that he had been packaged. He chose to say, Lord, that I might bring you glory. Now, if he had asked me the implications of that, I would have said, Zach, let's tailor that a little bit. Let's figure the implications of that. What you're asking for, you may get. And you may get it in a way that has intentional consequence. You see, though we call it an accident, it was intentional. God accepting the prayer of a young 18-year-old that for some reason, it wasn't a banqueting table. He, he eats well. He has protein drinks and a full plate to dine at three times a day. He's, he didn't have that problem, nor in the activities that he could do. But something in his spirit said, I want God to receive glory. And the Lord said, I can take that and do something with it. Infancy, Zachary, infancy. Because what I want to share with you is that, though that wasn't my plan, I'm absolutely confident, according to Zach's faith and his desire, it was God's plan. So when Zach was pulled from the surf, what you need to know is that he had become a baby. Had it not been in the sovereign's allowance for God to rescue him, drawing him from the waters, I would have easily had been conducting a memorial service for him in the days following. But he was taken like a baby from the waters, many hands upon him, and actually many lives touched concerning that event. I came down simply as a pastor, father with his mother, my wife, Christy, and I was in that fog of being overwhelmed. Some of you have been there before. But in order to answer that prayer that Zachary made, 
the Lord made him as helpless as a little baby and commissioned a bunch of us to be strong, to actually ponder such a request being made. Prayers can have consequences if glory is the request that is being asked for. And who gets the glory? God does. And I will tell you that though in reality God gave up glory to be invited into infancy to identify with all of humanity, he allowed Zachary the request of his heart that glory would come in his infancy. We're waiting to see how that unfolds. And we marvel at what we believe we've seen. And there was a marveling apart from the story that the Lord is writing in Zachary's life that came thousands of years ago. We want to take a look at that scripture. I'm going to invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, and we'll move from there to the Gospel of Luke. And you're probably familiar with where this will be. So we're going to go right in the beginning. how this writer penned it, chapter 1, verses 18. Through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. The prophet being spoken of was Isaiah, 
the chapter that identifies that which happened 700 years before this event we read in the Gospels is found in the 14th verse. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. In order for God to be with us, we can presume that there were other ways for him to do that. One of them simply was to come from heaven, could have made a descent on a cloud bank, could have come as a lightning bolt, could have come simply by an appearance in which he reveals himself in all his glory to a world that was in darkness. And it would have been without argument in that kind of display. It would have been without resistance, certainly, that could have thwarted his sovereignty. But he chose to come through the portals of humanity through a woman who, as a virgin, was open for tending the Son of God, God from glory, experiencing infancy through the life of a woman in a divine appointment of her humanity. This account, right now at least for this preface, moves us over to Luke, and I'd like you to turn there, please, for this unfolding. And so in Luke, we pick up this account as well that gives us just a little bit more insight on her foresight. Something within Mary, and very likely what we would say is a theological, devotional understanding of the reality of God, gave her the heart and the submission to acknowledge the word of the Lord to her, even though it would cost her everything. It would. Oh, we can make a presumption that if God radically did that to any one of us, well then, royalty would be at our fingertips. But actually, royalty wasn't at her fingertips. It was within her hidden within her, beyond the comprehension of those who would challenge her, who would endeavor to associate her with immorality. But this is a woman who, in this account, speaks the heart of the Lord as a servant of God. It came to pass in those days, chapter 2 says, in verse 1, that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David. This man being mentioned is 
that man we just heard had a visitation through a night dream. His world would be changed in a moment. For marriage was highly esteemed and as an esteemed institution and a place in which godly Jewish men and women would long to have a relationship ratified lawfully and spiritually for the purpose of consummating and having children, he would have to deal with the ramifications of not having wed her, but having to take her and defend her in what God had done with her. Pretty extraordinary. See, there are incidences in all of our lives in which God will choose to test our faith in defying what people may say or their opinions about what it is we've done in the name of the Lord, in our exercise of faith. And these two, as a couple, would demonstrate obedience, even at the loss of reputation. It really wasn't from a social perspective, a clean page that was written. It had all of the junk that we read in our newspapers associated with their reputation, but they were lovers of God, obedient to the Lord, and willing to say, this is the work of God in my life in this moment. And the reason that this is an important text is because when one has the heart for God, then how God chooses to achieve glory in that heart and in those acts of obedience are his to choose. And it's not all royalty, and it's not all loyalty. It's not necessarily a smooth path. It has with it great travail, great agony, incredible misunderstanding, and God allows each one of us to say, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Even the Lord himself, coming from glory, through infancy, maturing even to the degree that as a 12-year-old boy, astounded scholars of his day in what was in him. Obviously, it would seem to us not surprising that God could astound people. But he was permitted to astound them at the age of 12. I've been impressed with 10, 9, 10, and 11, and 12-year-olds as a teacher. But there couldn't be any more impressive than God himself in the temple instructing those who were knowledgeable in the law and the scriptures. This is yet to come. But this continues to say this to us, that in this lineage of David, there would be a lineage of suffering that would be imposed upon both of them. And the only way through it was to trust God in it and remain steadfast no matter what, no matter who, 
no matter what the requirement was, both of them needed to exercise an obedience that from infancy they would travel a course in their life leading to glory. Their story we'll better understand when we're united with them. But their sacrifice was great. And I would not doubt that their tears as well streamed radically at times down their faces, trusting in the Lord for what one prayer, one act of obedience, one agreeability with the word of the Lord that was imposed upon them. Have you ever had God impose something on you? Well, if you think about it, every day has that opportunity in which not my will but his be done is an imposition to what it is I either imagined differently or wanted not to be involved in. And I'm discovering that. I'm discovering, in one sense, what it's like to be a father of one brought into infancy, leading again to maturity for the purpose of glory. God didn't ask my opinion, nor did Zach. I probably would have questioned both of them. And my mouth probably would have been sealed within one voice from God. Richard, hear the word of the Lord. This indicates that this pilgrimage that they are upon right now is simply taking into their lives an edict, lawful edict. They're going to do it. But they're already aware of what they've been invited into. And it's a journey of great faith. It says that in this registry with Mary, his betrothed wife who was with child, remember, with child means the son of God. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. Well, wait a minute. Isn't it about Jesus being delivered? And therefore I'm brought back to this even for you and I. It's about you and I being delivered daily. And the fact that Jesus within us compels us not to maturity in a sense in which we are boastful or arrogant, but in an infancy in which, like little children, we depend upon him and the resources that he has given to us as a what? Body. You see, in whatever handicaps we have, we realize we're not sufficient. And if we don't have a handicap right now, there is a day in which that shall happen. We may not know the when and we may not know the circumstance, but there's a day in which we will find ourselves insufficient, but we will find ourselves discovering that God is all-sufficient. And this is that course that they are charting right now. It really is the Christmas story, but why isn't it so clear and clean and fresh and without you know, all of the tension and all of the disruption and all of the backbiting and the things that go on that destroy, you know, we, we call today's culture the shaming culture because everybody's finding something about someone to call them on, 
either correctly or completely exaggeratingly, destroying them. And Jesus would have understood that, by the way, in the course of his maturing. But Mary and Joseph definitely would have felt that. And ultimately the community that they would come back to. For her to be delivered, then she needed to indulge God. And not how good it was going to be, but how hard it would be required of her to submit. Not that she's going to have a hard time submitting. It's going to be a hardship in the submission to what God had done. Elected and selected her as a woman to bear the Son of God. And that's why precisely she and God's election chose her because she had a heart and a mind and a spirit that would not resist his intention. She clearly would have known what it would mean to bear a child without being married and to have to stand firm. This is of God. This is the Son of God. This is that which was spoken in Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14. She knew it. She obliged it. And God said that there was going to be great favor upon her in that. The day for her to be delivered, completed, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. You know, for us in our flight from Brookings, literally for Christy and Zachary, there was no room for us in the inn. We actually didn't know how we would do any of it. There was no room at all to believe that we could take Zachary from the waters and get him to where aid would be provided. We saw it, though. It's just that it was beyond our ability to comprehend how it would be done. We were put in a moment in which the faith that we teach about and the life that we believe we've lived became our reality to demonstrate it in what for us was a moment of infancy. Oh, I know that I'm not a baby, but I became one because there was nothing that I could do. But I saw God do it all. He's still doing it. However, the Lord is using the circumstance of bringing Zach from a place of prowess. I mean, really, you know, you saw him. He, we get to enjoy our kids in a time in which, you know, they're running and surfing and skiing and they're wrestling and boxing. It's pretty incredible. For some of us, it reminds us of what we once did and what we cannot take glory in any longer. But Zach's invitation to glorify God became my invitation to become a baby. And then to become one who, as a child, completely reliant upon God, maturing even in the day-to-day -day beyond my years, rediscovering God 
through his strength that he's given to all of you and to those even listening right now. This is a Christmas story. It's kind of interesting how it happened to be on Christmas for me. I'm not the only one, though. We're very aware that in our time right now of having things turned upside down, even as this bulletin has been, we're understanding the mechanics of trusting the Lord. We're understanding the reason by which we must be anchored in the Word of God. We're understanding what it's like to become something for someone who's become, in a moment, a changed individual. We have big hearts now. I don't think they ever were not necessarily big, but they're full right now. For those who, in crises very similar to Zach, who now is actually in a fraternity of others who have neurological injury trauma he's a part of. And all I know, taken from this story, is that as Mary and Joseph, obedient to the word of God that they heard, God with us, I, as well as you, must declare in this season, God is with us. God is with us. And the thing that I've seen is that as we declare that, he reveals it through you. There's no other explanation. We have people that have literally stepped into our life to give us a Christmas, not what we planned, but what God ordained. They're doing things for us that defy our infancy. Pretty amazing. Phone calls that are coming in, right hands of fellowship, provision for an end that never existed for us as we were bringing a child in all over again. It's incredible. And I'm not saying that I would wish that upon any, but I am saying that we're all invited in a particular season to have one of these moments. And it's not about the imposition right now upon us. It's about the position that God wants us to have in this work of maturing us. He came from glory to infancy, and he moves us from infancy to glory. And just when we think that we've got our big britches on, he says, diapers, rich, diapers. I've been through that. And you know what? That's going to be my boast then. But I don't believe it's my story. I just believe it's where God has us. And so one of the things that we need to say in conclusion to this message, and it's, you know, it's not the full, it's not the full message, but it is an incorporation of linking us right now. Because it is the season to be jolly. It is a season that we can sing. And by the way, that was one of Zach's requests. I didn't know this, but he was tickling the piano. He would stay after the service on Thursday, play the piano, but one of the things that I found out he did is he snuck a microphone on. Have any of you heard Zach sing? Neither have I. We will. I'm confident we will hear Zach sing. I sing. 
Spencer sings, Kara sings, Everett sings. Hey, Zach, what gives? And then he had to say, Lord, I want to give you glory. Zach, there are other ways than being so ambiguous. Letting God really have that kind of determination. I could have given you singing. In fact, I don't even know why I didn't. Actually, I didn't give any of my kids singing lessons. They just began to sing. But that was one of Zach's. He would tickle the pianos, and he would begin to find songs and sing them. I never heard. I still yet haven't heard you sing, Zach. But I know in his heart he has. And I don't know if you saw this, but when, at times when he'd be playing, you can see the bass players. They're always the guys without the mic, but they're singing to themselves as if they have a mic. I was laughing with Rob over this, because you, you, know, you can kind of see that. You know, and they're doing it because they know they're handling an instrument, but deep inside them, there's this desire to sing. And there are bass players that can sing very well and play the bass. But when you look at Rob, and we kind of laughed about this, we could see that in Zach too. Oh Lord, that you might be glorified. Two of them on the beach. Oh, Lord, that you might receive glory this day. And the surf that could have swallowed them up, brought them together, coughed them out, that a story would be written at Christmas time to bring God glory, who came from glory to infancy, leaving one on the beach to become an infant that God might receive glory. There was nothing that Zach could do for himself. And did you know that without Mary and Joseph, there was nothing that could be done for Jesus? He was that kind of an infant. There was no fear of him. Oh, Herod had a fear of what it meant concerning what he had heard. But Jesus made himself completely vulnerable to humanity that he would be protected by those who in faith, and especially a mother and father who exercised devotion and obedience to the Lord to move them from their infancy as parents, as disciples of God, to handle the Son of God, that one day the Son of God would hand them off to his Father in heaven. So we want to commit, again, hopefully an encouraging parallel in our lives. It's okay that our lives are turning upside down. It's okay that for a majority of us, there is a season of human suffering, but it's never to be greater than the expectation that God receives glory. Whether we want to give him permission for it or not. We have a resignation. And so even Zach, I'm confident that people saw things on that beach that turned their hearts towards him. Talked to a first responder that said he had never seen anything like that before. Been on many accident scenes. What was he seeing? I'll tell you what he saw. He saw people engaged in rescuing somebody. And he saw the increments by which the rescue was in prayer. Spiritual men on the beach, spiritual women on the beach, 
moved to pray for Zach, who no longer had the physique, the neurology, to do anything but rely upon God, whom he chose to commit his life once more. And this first responder said to me, when I saw that go on, I saw things in your son that to me was a work of the Holy Spirit, movement that shouldn't have happened based on my knowledge of the drama, movement that began to show there's hope for this guy. People coming seemingly as teams, praying over him. Whomever you were that may have been there on the scene, there was a man's life affected by your effectual praying. Just bringing Zachary in. So many things happen. You don't get a mom on an airline, you know, a, a rescue jet to Reading. She was, she was defying all protocols because the Lord allowed her favor that is not given to even moms. An ambulance ride, an airline flight. I had to drive. Christy got to fly. <laughs> but that's good because I don't like to fly. The Lord picked the right one for that. I think they looked at both of us and said, your husband looks Pretty stout. He's like all the luggage we could hold. I took that as a compliment. Cancellation compliment. We're going to enjoy a closing song right now. Some of the things that right now you'll see me be going through and inviting you to continue to participate is being with Zach and Christy. Don't know how that all looks. But I represent you in that willingness to be there. I can pastor here. Christy's strong. Zach's strong. They're in a great place. It's a miracle that we're there. It really is. But for whatever is required of me, infancy. Okay, Lord. I'm there. I'll do it. I'm with him while I'm with you. And you are with us. Interesting year, hasn't it been? But God's still in charge, and we need to remind ourselves of that. May the Lord bless you in whatever may be a test that you had no idea you were invited into, that the one who came from glory, choosing infancy, that he might go before us for our maturity and ultimately to experience glory. Let's stay steadfast. Let's not change course. Let's see what God wants to do. Let's encourage one another. Let's be praying for one another. Because every one of us has a story. You're touching people's lives.